Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to this edition of the What's Next podcast, where I have the pleasure of welcoming the legendary David Wood to the show today. He is a former consulting actuary to Fortune 100 companies. He left his cushy Park Avenue job 20 years ago to build the world's largest coaching business. He became number one on Google for life coaching, serving an audience of 150,000 coaches and coaching thousands of hours in 12 countries around the globe. He gets the opportunity to coach entrepreneurs, all looking to double their revenue faster, overcome shiny object syndrome, which I can't wait to talk about, and be a more extraordinary entrepreneur and human. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tiffany. Excellent. All right. We are going to start off with something I call bullish and bearish. Bullish, you are for it. Bearish, you are against it. Are you ready? Ready. All right. The first one, digital art collecting, bullish or bearish? Bearish. Ah. Yeah. All right. Next one. Having a career coach. Bullish or bearish? Bullish. All right. Third one. Driverless cars. Bullish or bearish? Ooh, bullish. All right. See, not too painful. Not too painful. The first one, the digital art, I heard that one just sold for like $6 million or something, you know, online. So it was just... Wow. Digital art, an art collection, one of a kind, you know, it's very sort of uh, um, knowing who the one single owner is. And so it's very fascinating, a whole new category that you never thought you needed. Wow. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm personally not bullish because I, I don't really go in for a lot of art, but the idea of technology creating something like that, I'm totally bullish about that. So, yeah, it's like blockchain, right? They can yeah. see where all the images that come from, create something unique that's uh, owned by one person. Anyway, it's, it's fascinating new category. You know, it's like never ending of new stuff that pops up, keeps your mind spinning of thinking I never would have thought of that. But yeah, let's get into the conversation because um, I've been excited to get an opportunity to speak to you for a couple of reasons. One, because I love your perspective on focus. Um, I think we are living in this incredible age of distraction. Um, and so if you wouldn't mind, maybe just start us there, because I think from a leader's perspective and a coaching perspective, I'm going to guess that part of your role is to help people focus on the things that are going to have the greatest impact. Yeah, that's right. If you look at anything uh, amazing in his in history, it usually seems to come from some form of depth. Now, in this day and age with the information age and the complexity of our lives, like just, I'm into systems. I'm a bit of a geek. And look, there's a system for how music is accessed in my house, like the different speakers. And I've got Spotify, I've got Pandora, I've got iTunes, and then there's stuff that syncs to my computer, and then it syncs here, and sometimes you can have speakers in multiple houses. That's a whole massively complex system just for me to be able to listen to music. If we start adding our insurance systems, our financial systems, our health systems, our social systems, our house environment, it's so wonderfully complex and then we get to work our job or our business and we've got a whole bunch of other systems and so most of us are going a mile wide and an inch deep in many areas of our life you just suppose you want to get healthy you know you might be like oh i'm going to try a little bit of exercise and i'll try a little bit of 
uh, better nutrition and I might go and get a, a fitness coach and I might, we, that's how we tend to operate. But some of the best results come from going an inch wide and a mile deep. Now, I know that when I, I deal with a lot of entrepreneurs and that's a hard sell because they're entrepreneurs, they see all the possibilities and they want to do everything. Yeah, that's the shiny object syndrome coming in. And my job is usually to help with the focus. So what really matters to you? And then what would you like to do, but you're willing to put off for a year so that you can actually be excellent at what you've chosen? So... I couldn't agree more. And having just tried to set up my home speaker system for my music, I agree. It's a, like this massive quagmire. And I feel like I'm overwhelmed because that's just one part of all the things I have to do. Right. Um, but what, you know, I, I am often guilty of this where I am very T-shaped, you know, I'm kind of an inch deep and I'm a mile wide. And then there are a few things that I'm very deep in from a knowledge perspective. And so how do you help people determine what really matters to decide what to focus on in the short term and not get caught in that shiny object syndrome? Because I think that's so difficult. Yeah. Well, when people come to me, um, sometimes you do private coaching. Sometimes it's the group. I have a program called Samurai. And, but either way, in week one, we're going to start with what do you care about over the next 12 months? So we start with the question. There are a surprising number of people who have not written down what actually matters and secondly, have not made an agreement as to what they will not do. So just that question alone is often very powerful. And when people go to my site, uh, and they, they want to see if they're a fit for the program, I'm going to ask them that straight away. To even get on the phone with me, you've got to answer what matters to you over the next 12 months. Like, what are your priorities? And so for many people, that's really valuable. Just sitting and going, well, what would have me do the happy dance? It might be more money. If that's true, how much? Write it down. How much time off do you have right now? And what would you like to do with that number? write it down. And then maybe you look towards your health. Is there anything there that really matters to you? What about your relationships? Maybe you want to be twice as close to your kids or to increase trust by 50% with your kids. And then once you've got the goals, I had one client say, I think I might have too many. I said, how many have you got? She said, 20. I'm like, that's a good starting point. Right, we start <laughs> we start with that. Now put them in order. If you had to choose only one, what would it be? If you could only choose two, what would they be? So you put them in order, and then we start to realize what really matters. And then I said, How about you pick the top three and we'll focus on those? And the other ones you will pull out of the drawer as a bonus goal to work on once you've accomplished one of these other three. And she liked that. She's like, all right, so I don't have to lose them, but I'll put them in a drawer and we'll focus. Thomas Leonard is known as the father of modern coaching. And he said, don't try and get an entrepreneur to focus on one goal, but try and get them to focus on three. And I think that's reasonable. And it's a constant battle because the mind will go, but there's this and there's this and there's this, and maybe I can do it all. And if I don't do it, I'm missing out. Well. 
yeah, unfortunately, if you try and do everything, there's a story about Steve Jobs where um, he was insisting that that they market all five features of a new product. And the marketer screwed up um, screwed up five pieces of paper and then threw them at him and said, catch. He didn't catch any of them. And then he threw one piece of paper. He's like, catch. And he's like, oh, okay, I get the point here. If we focus, let's say, on one major feature of this, we've got more of a chance of people catching what we're sending. And it's the same in your business, same in your job. If you have 20 different projects, it's entertaining. And I'm a fan of entertainment. If you don't care about more money and more time off, then entertain yourself and go for all of the projects. It's fun. But if you want more results with less time, I'm just saying, let's not go a mile wide. Let's go deeper. Well, there's so much there I want to dig into because um, I have said to people who are saying, you know, this is what I want to do in my career. And I go write a list of the things you don't want to do, you know, because sometimes when you ask someone, write a list of your goals, like that 20, sometimes people are like, I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know how to start. I don't even know it. So the fact that you would, you know, say, okay, well, let's start with your personal life, your health, your family, your relationships, work, you know, and so you can pick one or two in each of those. It gives them a little more guidance. Uh, and the the one thing is it's never one thing, right? It, it is a combination of multiple projects, if you will, the way we're framing this to be happening simultaneously because one might feed into the other. And so what happens when, you know, it's, well, I want to, you know, improve my, um, you know, I want to double the revenue of our company and that, you know, that's a goal, right? I'm an entrepreneur or I work for a business and I work, I run a division. I want to double the revenue of my, yep. what I'm responsible for, right? Underneath that, there's probably 10 or 20 things that have to happen to make that one thing happen. And so how do you do the sort of subcategories of projects that fall off, cascade or waterfall off those big goals? Yeah, well, firstly, let's note that if we reduce the number of big goals from 20 to 3, it's going to go better for us, right? Because if you've got 20 goals and then you've got all these sub-goals under each, each of those, it's, you can see how it becomes a mess really quickly. So the first thing is, let's just limit what we're going to do this year. Let's have maybe three really big ones that we're going to focus on. And then we break it down. It's like, all right, uh, what, what, what I have my clients do is layer the goals. And this happens in the first week. So, all right, this is now what we've settled on. A year out doesn't mean anything. It's pie in the sky. It's really just a way of filtering at the macro level. But what's it going to look like three months from now? That's the next layer. So we bring it back and say, what would I need to have achieved uh, three months from now? Now, I think you're suggesting, or I'm inferring for what you said, an extra step. You might take each of those big goals and just make a list. I got to do these 20 things under each of these. This is, this is the path to get there. So you got a little bit of a project plan. But then once you've got that, what I want to see is three months out, what's your, what, do you, what do your goals look like? I will have achieved this for goal one. I will achieve this for goal two. And I will have achieved this for goal three, something like that. 
Then we- and you're not suggesting that those goals are individually done, right? Because I mean, as an entrepreneur or once again, in a business, you may have a team of people that are working on these things, right? right. You are just, right? So it's not just that when you feel like what David is sharing, it put down these goals and do this. It's not just everything you have to do on your own exclusively. That's true. What I do for my board personally is I have my goals, the things that I need to do, like hire a social media manager, hire a better programmer, uh, mail in my 1099s. Like there are certain things <laughs> that I've got on my list. And then of course I, I have staff. So um, that they have their own lists and I like to see those like every week. I, I create my goals and then every week I want them to create their goals and run them past me. And I want to look at them and say, yep, that looks really good. Or I'd like you to change it, take this off and add this. Um, so we're starting to get into how do you manage a team and how do you have, I think it starts with accountability for ourselves. And once you've got this process in place of the layering, the goals, and then the discipline, which is what we do in week two. It's like, how do you actually boost your productivity and stay on track with things that you've said? Because that can become a disaster. But once you learn that for yourself, a lot of my clients are like, can I just roll this out to my team? Great, go for it. Have your team have the same accountability with setting their goals. Have your team implement the same practices to to boost their productivity. Uh, There's no reason why everyone can't be benefiting from the same techniques. Well, and that's a great segue because we've done some research uh, lately, uh, maybe 18 months ago, and specifically about a salesperson's time. And it's like 66% of their time is spent on non-selling activities. Yet that's what you hire them to do. Right. right? So one of the, right. So one of the activities is like, how do we take some of the 66% of stuff you're spending time on and non-selling, get it off your plate. But on the flip side of that, when we asked managers, they're spending very little time coaching because they're managing on this kind of productivity and what's the measure and what are all the things that you need to do. And so I feel like this coaching, just as you just said, look, I now am doing my lists. I'm a leader, you know, I'm working with David and I'm feeling much better. And now I want to roll this out to my team, but I don't have the time to coach. And so if, you know, someone's listening and going, wow, I'm going to do that. And I have maybe one, two, three, five, 10, 20 people who work for me. Uh, how do, how would you recommend that they find time to coach? And I don't mean coach like you, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, just coach and get them to do these kinds of projects. What's your recommendation to leaders who want to try to help their people be more successful with this kind of focus and discipline yeah. uh, and accountability. Yeah. Well, and, and this is whether you work for a company or you have your own company, you've, you've probably got a team. I, I think my answer is a hybrid. It's not a, a black and white. You, you're not going to be able to coach your team at the level that an external coach is going to be able to, to do. I mean, you've got all your own tasks that you've got to handle and you probably don't want to get into a lot of he said, she said, and, and disputes between employees. And also some of their issues might, might have to do with you. And so you could say, Hey, what could I do to be a better manager? They may not tell you. So it's almost like some people say, Hey, can I coach, can I coach my family or can I coach my partner? You can, (laughs) 
you can, but because of your relationship, your existing relationship, you're not going to be unbiased and they may not trust you the way they would trust someone externally. So I guess I'm making the case for having an external coaching service. You can get, you can hire a company that'll provide you with a whole bunch of coaches, or if you don't have a big team, just get one coach and give your team access to them so they can take a lot of that stuff off your plate. That would be my recommendation. Now, having said that, I still am a big fan of a coach-based approach to managing. So instead of telling your team, here are all your goals for the week, I like the idea of by Monday morning, nine o'clock, I want to see all of your goals on a Google document and I'll review them and we'll go over them together. Like have them generate, which to me is, is, is coach-based. You have them generate instead of telling them what to do. You're also going to want to create a safe space for them to communicate with you. And I recommend building this in as some sort of a system. Don't rely on you having the right questions at the right time and, and going to someone and say, hey, tell me everything that's bothering you. Put it into your system. Maybe by Monday, they provide their goals and they answer a, a number of questions. I'll, I'll tell you guys some of the questions I use with my clients and you're welcome to steal them. One would be, here's what I'm proud of that I accomplished in the last week. That's a really great question to ask every single week. Another question could be, um, what did you commit to but not accomplish? So like, what was missing? And then what, what's your biggest concern if you have one for this week? What's bothering you? What's your biggest opportunity? And then my last question for all my clients is, how specifically do, do you want to use our session? Because we're going to do a coaching session or our meeting. What do you most want to get out of, of this group meeting that we're going to have? That's a great way to just have people think for themselves, generate. You can also put in there, if you're a manager, what's, I like the start, stop, continue spectrum. What's one thing that I should keep doing as a manager for you? What's one thing I should start doing? And what's one thing I should stop doing that's getting in the way? You can build this into a weekly reporting. Just make sure you actually read what they produce. They, that has to happen. You can't pass, pass the buck on that. But then you've got a system in place for coaching and managing and accountability. Well, the one thing that is the Achilles heel for all that you just described is leaders actually making the time to do what you just said. Yeah. That instead of holding a staff meeting and it being about like, Hey, what's the revenue? What's the leads? How much, what, uh, what issues do we have? What, uh, you know, customers are mad, what customer, what, you know, like what marketing's working, what products are in the pipeline, like that sort of the mechanics. Yeah. They don't take enough time to do the quote unquote coaching. And even on one-on-ones, I mean, I could probably count on one hand over the course of my 25 years, uh, how many of my managers um, actually spent time coaching me, like, right? And and said, okay, what are your goals? What do you? I'd always feel like I had to instigate the conversation. Yes. Like, hey, here are my goals. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd like to talk to you about this. Can you make time for me to talk about, you know, what I want to keep doing or what I'm most proud of? Or, hey, did you know I did this? Or... You know, and so you feel like you're chasing to get that 
time around coaching. Yeah. And so one, one, one of yeah. the problems is we often know what to do as a manager or an employee or as a human. We often know what's going to make our life better. How many of us know how to get healthier? We know how to do it, but we often don't implement it. So I think coaching comes in two big, big, lovely buckets. One bucket is you might get some ideas from your coach that you haven't had before. You might get to grow. You might get to change. You might get a strategy that could make you, it could double your revenue because you just never heard of it before. That's one bucket. But the other big bucket is a coach can actually get you to implement the stuff that you've known for a long time you should do. You just never got around to. I coached one person who's one of the most famous coaches in the world, and he knew all of this stuff. He did it for his clients, but he hadn't done it. And I said, when will you make the time? You're dog paddling so fast. When will you carve out the time to learn how to swim? Well, it's like, it's, it's the cobbler's children, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. Yeah. That, that, that got him. And so he, because he had to face up with someone and who's going to ask him, did you do it? Um, and same for me with with my coach coaches. Sometimes I've I've had up to five coaches. I I I'll be speaking out the problem, and then I'll speak the answer, and then I'll be like, oh God, I get. I guess I just got to do it. Coach doesn't even have to say a word, but it's in the light of that coaching session. You realize, ah, oh, I just got to do this. Then you, I got one client who wanted to increase conversion, as we talked about it, she, she came up with a bunch of ideas that she'd had for a while, for a year. And I said, all right, how about you actually do that and implement it by the time we speak next week? She went and did it, boosted conversion 25%. Sometimes it's a, I know for me, sometimes it's a, it's almost like I want to bounce that idea, like the, the example you just gave of the woman you were coaching and trying to improve conversions. Like, I think this might work, but mm, I'm not sure. And so that's kind of analysis paralysis. They just sort of sit and don't act. Yeah. Or they're afraid of failing or they're afraid of, you know, humiliation or they're afraid of, you know, whatever the reason is, right? It could be fear. And you said it a couple of times, trust, creating a place where people can come and, and say, hey, I tried it and it didn't work right? Whatever that is, or I'm really struggling in accomplishing this goal. And that requires a lot of self-awareness and things that you need to be able to do individually. Um, but do you, you know, having advised companies, not on, from a coaching perspective, but what was always interesting to me would be the leader would say, the sky is blue. I come in as a third party and say the sky is blue. And then everyone around them goes, oh my God, why didn't anybody say the sky was blue? <laughs> right? That they weren't listening to that particular person. And so sometimes it's validation. Like a coach might be validating that what you're thinking and how you're going about it is actually correct. And you have to trust your own process, right? That's a really good point. A coach can be a touchstone. So you talk something out. And, and you really want to pick your coach well, because if I, I've got some friends, if I want to complain about something, they're the right people to speak to. They're going to be like, oh, that's terrible that that happens. I've got one friend who will never, ever do that. He just won't do it. He's like, where can you be responsible for this? So a coach can be someone, as you talk it out, you might get validation like, oh, that absolutely sounds valid. Uh, it sounds like something you want to go for. 
how about you try it out? Or I'll often say to my clients, well, I have another viewpoint. Would you like to hear it? Because they might be going to follow something that's not going to serve them. They might be complaining about their partner and I might see another angle and be like, hey, do you want to take a couple of minutes just to step into your partner's shoes? And if, if you're interested and just see what that might feel like, and they'll probably be like, because they're paying me money, they'll probably say, yeah, okay, I, I'll, I'll try that. And then we might do it. And then they go, oh, wow. Okay, I'm not angry anymore. Right? So, so it's good to have a touchstone to either say, yeah, that sounds good and valid or hang on, hang on. I think you're missing an opportunity here. So I'm going to toss something out to you. What do you think of, and this is just an idea as you were kind of talking that through, if, if some businesses are not yet willing to spend the money on coaching in this way, even though it has value, it's kind of the soft stuff, right? And lots of companies, unfortunately, managers, entrepreneurs will say, what's the ROI on this investment? So I'm going to spend X dollars on coaching. What am I going to get back on it? Right. And, the, yeah. and then there, then there gets the argument, right? Oh, is it productivity? Is it mental health and wellness? Is it career trajectory? You know, well, what if we coach all these people and then they leave, you know, all the answers I'm sure you've heard over the last 20 years. What do you think about something like a coaching circle? And what I mean by that is getting like-minded people together to say, Hey, we, you know, we're just going to run through this exercise as a group and make our list and make accountable. And we do it on our own. If we're, if, you know, if our company is not willing to, you know, hire us a coach, or do you think that that's not a good idea? I think it seems a good idea. One of the issues with that is you've got to find a model for it. You've got to set it up. You might need to train people or have a facilitator to run it, but it sounds like a bit of a mastermind. And, um, I think it could totally work, but you, might want to hire someone to get it set up, particularly if it's a big company, uh, you can get economies of scale and create a model and see, see if people are interested in that. The other model that can work instead of hiring a coach for every employee is to hire a coach for a certain number of sessions and then give the employees access to the coaching kind of as an employee benefit. And then the idea is they'll only use it if they've got a, a challenge or a problem. Now, I want to address, you, you raised a really great uh, hesitancy that some managers would have, like, what's the ROI? What are we getting from that? I think one of the easiest ways to look at that is look at, look at the risk you're currently facing. Because in, I would say in most companies, most employees are not going to tell you the whole truth. It's not safe enough. So they're going to be gripes. They're going to have problems. And how you know that is through gossip. They'll go and tell their partner or they'll go and tell their friend or they'll go and tell someone at the water cooler, oh, I hate the way the company does this or, or like that. What does that cost your company? What's it cost you that someone that's been working with you for five years leaves and that could have been prevented if, if they'd had access to um, a third-party a third source that would encourage them to speak their truth. Now, yeah, you are going to lose some people if you give them access to coaching. 
But those are the people I suggest that you want to lose now instead of them just performing poorly for another couple of years and then they leave anyway. Let's have them leave with some integrity and maybe have them stick around to train uh, someone else who'd be a really good fit for the company. So I wouldn't try, like if someone hires me as a coach for their team, I don't promise them that their team's going to stick. Same if someone came to me and said, you know, help me save my marriage. I'll say, I'll help you get clarity and I'll help you bring kindness to this and work out what the best path is. But it might be leaving the company. It might be leaving the marriage. I can't tell you which is going to be the best, but you're not going to leave. You're not going to lose an employee or the marriage out of lack of communication. So like we're going to, we're kind of coming up to the end here. And I, I have two last questions. One is, what is the difference? Somebody may say, listening to this, oh, well, I have a mentor. Is that a coach? I think a mentor is usually someone who's been there and done it. So if someone's working with me on building their business, there might be some mentoring because I've done it. But I could coach, I once coached a, a woman on on how to become an editor of a major magazine when she had no experience in that area and neither did I. But I was able to come up with the right questions. So mentoring usually someone who's already done it and can like show you some of the ropes. And then the coaching aspect is normally asking you questions so that you come up with your best answers. All right. And then, which I think is a great answer because many people will ask me all the time, you know, do you have a mentor? I have champions. I have a mentor, but, and then they'll say, you know, well, do you have a coach? Um, and I don't have a formal coach at the moment. Uh, I have had, um, them in the past, but I viewed them very differently. So I just wanted to get, get your take on that. So how can yeah. people keep in touch with what you're doing, David? I know you've got a great new, uh, product out. So maybe you can share that with our listeners as we wrap this up. Yeah, sure. I, I, and I have a gift basket of goodies for listeners. So I have an eight week program for entrepreneurs, um, called the Samurai program. And it's all geared around doubling your revenue and your time off. So if you run your own business, uh, go to myfocusgift.com and I will give you a preview of the training. Uh, it'll give you some of the best parts and it'll help you work out where you're weak in your business and where you're strong because the plan for you is going to be different for the plan for the next person. Um, also, there's a cheat sheet on how to double your productivity and get twice as much of what matters done in half the time. Uh, you can also see if you're a fit for the Samurai program. And all three of these things can ha happen at myfocusgift.com. I tried to create the most memorable URL I could come up with, and it's a gift to help you focus. So myfocusgift.com. Oh, and if you're a manager, I do work with managers as well. The group program is, is for entrepreneurs, but I do do private coaching for, for managers and executives as well, if that's something that you're interested in. Well, David, this has been awesome. I could, you know, keep going because this is such a great conversation. And I think it's something, especially now with a, you know, this whole sense of, you know, distractions at an all time high, people working from home and educating from home and doing everything from home. It's, it's hard to sort of focus and, and, and really this entire uncertainty about what the future will hold and from a career perspective and all the, that will be required from all of us for new skills going forward. So this has been really enjoyable for me. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, well, I, I can't compare it, but I've had a good time. 
All right, there you go. All right, David. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the What's Next podcast. Thanks. What a great podcast. I had such an amazing conversation with David. I took so many notes. I hope you did as well. But I loved the whole conversation about accountability, focus, discipline, and follow-up. If you're looking to amplify your career, improve sales and marketing, conversion rates, if you just want to be a better leader and manager, consider coaching. I have to say that having somebody help you figure out your way forward, there's no better thing that can happen for you from a career perspective. So once again, this is Tiffany Bova. Thank you for joining me and David Wood on this edition of the What's Next podcast. Please subscribe, share with your friends, download. I'll look forward to having you join me again next time. 